With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a lot to talk about today. Um, I, yesterday, I wasn't sure what we'd talk about. I was like, yeah, there's no practice today. It's going to be kind of open-ended. Do whatever. Turns out, there's there's three people in particular that we need to talk about. There's there's two new additions to the basketball team. Um, yeah, the two new additions to the basketball team. Maybe we'll get into some other stuff over there as well. But but also, the Buffs just added a tight end, Andrew Metzger from Regis Jesuit High School. Um, so we gotta we gotta talk about that as well. So that's the plan for today. Knock out the basketball stuff. Get on to Andrew Metzger. Not really sure how long it's going to take, but I do know I have to leave in an hour for this Avs game. So um, not an hour and five minutes. That's for sure. Uh, I should also say. I, I screwed up, and I left a podcast in the drafts. So so on Monday, we talked to all the defensive assistant coaches, and then Monday night, um, I went through and cut up all the audios, like 15 clips from that one, and then Tuesday morning, got up and did like the, the podcast, filled in the gaps between all those clicks or clips, and then it turns out I left that in the drafts. So that actually did not get published, which I realized today. Um, I think I was even talking about it yesterday, and you guys are probably thinking I'm an idiot, saying like, "No, that that doesn't exist." I just looked, uh, but that is now in your feed. So definitely, if if you don't listen to many of the podcasts, definitely get those ones where you get to hear from the assistant coaches because there's a lot of good stuff in there that uh, I'm able to cut up and and share with you guys. So uh, go back and listen to that one for sure. Might as well finish listening to this one first though, because there is there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. Um. Like I said, we're going to start with the basketball. Two new commitments. Um, first from Bobby Clintman. Um, Bo- Bobby is Swedish, 
and he is awesome. Um, he's he's a small forward, power forward kind of combo type of guy, 6'9", 200, um, four-star recruit, had a bunch of offers, was actually committed to Maryland, but decided to, to back out of that commitment when Mark Turgeon left the program in December, uh, went through the recruiting process again, got some good offers, you know, Kansas is in there, for example, um, and when Kansas is in there, you really don't have to name the others. Uh, Buffs pulled him out. Buffs pulled him out. He was on campus this past weekend, as was Ethan Wright, the other commitment that the Buffs got today. So Ethan is a guard from Princeton. He's a grad transfer. He's been a starter there, second team all Ivy League. Some crazy stats, you know, but he's he's a true 3 and D guard. Um, I think that he fits into Eli Parquet's role perfectly. And I think that we can pretty easily forget about it, it. Right now you hear, oh, he fits into Eli Parquet's role. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Eli Parquet would have been a very important player last year if he would have been healthy. Um, there, there were games where he was one of their your two best players. And um, I think that that's kind of the baseline here with Ethan Wright. And I think that the ceiling is pretty high as well. Um, so, so those are the two commitments uh, that came through today. Um, I'm, I will say this, which might sound a little bit ominous, but, you know, just because just you're committed doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to work out. Um, you know, you still have to, you still have to be admitted to the school and, um, you know, that's a process that everybody goes through. It's one to keep an eye on. Um, as of now though, as of right now, the buffs have used all their scholarships. Um, they, they're, they're 12 for 12. They're all filled out. And that's assuming that Jabari Walker comes back to school. Uh, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. If Jabari leaves, then uh, then you wind up with one more scholarship. But obviously, Tad's not going to go out and offer somebody right now because then all of a sudden you're screwed if Jabari comes back. And Jabari coming back is kind of the best-case scenario. So for now, you'd expect the Buffs to kind of treat this as a roster set. This is who we're going with. And if things change in a month, a month and a half, uh, when, when Jabari has to make his decision about entering the NBA draft or, or going back to CU, that's when you could see uh, a change there and all of a sudden they have to add somebody. We'll, we'll address that stuff later on. Uh, just to expand a little bit on Bobby. So, like I said, he comes from Sweden. He's a big dude. Um, his, his dad is actually from Senegal, um, another big guy, but he, he went to Sweden to coach professional basketball. So, so he was, I, th- I think in the top league in Sweden, he was a, a head coach. Now, obviously that's not the same as being a head coach in the top league in America, but still just having that basketball background, that's the kind of thing that, that stands out. And to be honest, I think it kind of shows in his game, like the idea that he has been growing up around pro basketball his whole life. It shows, you know, he's, he's six foot nine and he can jump and do all those sorts of things. And that's really what stands out. But there's some pretty crazy passes in there, too. And just the senses, um, you know, there's one in particular that I, I think it's like the third or fourth clip in the, in the video that I included in the, the story I wrote. It's up on the website, the um, But he, he drives down the lane, almost looks like he's out of control, almost out of control. And, and he gets underneath the basket and just throws this sling pass around the defender and to the corner where there's an open player for a three-pointer. There's just some of that pretty stuff like that. And, and you look at his body and say, like, that looks like somebody who should be in the NBA. Like, maybe not today. Like, there's still probably a little bit of work to do. But you just see the size and the length and, and the explosiveness 
And then you remember that he... It's tough to find good numbers for him. I wasn't able to do it. I bet if I dig around, I could find some. Um, but he looks like a knockdown three-point shooter. And he takes he takes some tough ones. Um, there's a... There's plenty of situations where he gets the ball with a smaller defender, and defender's guarding him pretty well at the three-point line, and he just pulls it anyway and knocks it in. So those are the kinds of plays that really stand out, right? Because, you know, it's kind of the Jabari Walker thing. Like, we know Jabari can make some plays in the paint, but on top of that, when he can stretch you out to the three-point line, all of a sudden, you you can get really, really excited about what he does, um, I honestly think that Jabari might be a, a, a decent comp. Meh, he's an all right comp for for Bobby. Um, there, there's a lot of similarities there just in the build um, and, and some of the things that they can do on the court. I do think that Bobby comes in as a better passer. I think that Bobby, and he he admits this in some interviews, there's still some work he has to do adapting to the American game. So he actually, he came over last year for what's what's kind of his senior year of high school and played at uh, Sunrise Christian in Florida. They play a national schedule. It's great experience. Um, I haven't sat down and watched any of the full games yet just because I haven't had time. Um, but we do know that he does have some experience playing some some really really good teams. Again, I can't find any like actual stats for him, but based on what you see, they look he looks really good out there. Um, on top of that, just needs to fill out that body and, and play a little bit more physically. On top of that, it's not just waiting for the body to come through. It's it's powering through guys and being a little bit more physical defensively. Because of course you see him with the blocks. You see him with a lot of steals. Like the way he reads passing lanes and kind of cheats out and wins those and then what he can do on the fast break is is pretty special stuff. But I am I am really, really fired up about Bobby Clintman. And I, I hope everything works out and I hope they're able to get him on campus and, and these kind of final steps after the commitment come through. Um, but based on what you can see on the court there is a, a lot to work with there. And I mean, to be honest, there's no reason he can't be an NBA player. Um, there's The ceiling is very high. And I guess it's one thing when you go and watch him play Swedish high school basketball. And he was playing older guys. Like he was playing, I'm not sure how that worked. It looked, it seemed like, especially when you look through stats, like he's playing in a professional league, but you just can't get paid or something when you're young. I'm not really sure. Um, because, I mean, there were guys with like beards. Um, looked, looked like high school gyms though. Um, just really impressive stuff. Really impressive stuff. Um, he is a three star. I think ESPN had him as a four star, but rivals 24 seven, uh, that they have him as a three star, very high three star. Like I'm very, very close to being a four star right now. He's the 169th ranked player nationally 40th small forward. That's what they have him listed as. Um, but it's, it's really easy to get expo- excited about uh, Bobby Clintman, and I'm fired up. I'm fired up, and we'll talk about where he fits into this rotation a little bit. But that might be the best part. Um, before we do that, though, we got to talk about Ethan Wright. Ethan Wright comes over from Princeton. Like I said, true three and D. He's a grad transfer. He's a vet. He's been around the game for a long time. It's obvious in the way he plays. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, but on top of that. 
the the ceiling is very high for him. And and in particular on like a game to game basis. You know, I think there were two games in his career where he hit seven three pointers. Wild to think about, right? Like those are some big numbers. You just it would be nice to have somebody who did that for Colorado this season. You know, I, I'm I'm curious what the high was for the season. I'll I'll run through some of these stats. Um but seven three pointers in multiple games, that's impressive stuff. And he wound up being the the sixth leading scorer in the uh, Ivy League last year. He did it while shooting 50% from the field, which was the third best rate in in the Ivy League. And again, he's doing that as a guard. As a six foot four guard, he's shooting 50% from the field. He shot 39.5% from three on, uh, what was it? It was, it was 5.9 three-pointers per game, which is a lot. So high volume, and he's hitting them efficiently. That's uh he's dangerous. He's dangerous. He can get hot, he can fill it up. And like I said earlier, he's probably best defensively. Um for context, and this isn't like a shot at Keyshawn, um, but his his Keyshawn's high was four three pointers in a game this season. He did that twice. So you think about Keyshawn at his hottest, now double the production. Whew. Whew. Um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Ethan Wright too. And we'll talk about his fit into the rotation, like, like with Bobby in a second. Um, but I think probably the, the craziest stat when it comes to Ethan Wright, it's the rebounding. Uh, he, he pulled in 6.9 rebounds per game as a six foot four guard last year. Again, you're, you're playing in the Ivy league. It's different than playing in the PAC 12. There's, there's. You, you probably don't expect him to, to be bringing in 6.9 rebounds a game, but that was the fourth most in the Ivy League last year. And he's a 6'4 guard, 6'4, 190. So it's, uh, you, you see why Tad would like him, right? <laughs> like, don't all these things just scream Tad Boyle to you? Um, and I, I do think that he could just provide, again, at the very least, he provides. A, a a a good baseline, you know, a three and D baseline to Colorado. If if things don't go well and and he just doesn't belong in a Power Six conference, then you still get a guy who can knock down some threes, who you can send to the corner on the offensive end and on the defensive end is going to be good, and he's going to provide some rebounding. And I think that when you just look at the makeup of this team, particularly in the backcourt, that's something that you can get pretty excited about. Um, that's that's a piece that is kind of needed, just a little bit of stability there, because you have a bunch of potential, and you want to give these guys a lot of minutes, but you also know there's a world where, hey, what went wrong in, in the 2021-22 the season? Point guards didn't get it done. And, and there's a bunch of different things that you could have cleaned up and, and there's different ways where you could have pulled out a couple more games and gotten to the tournament, whatever. I think the number one thing you have to look at, though, is the point guards didn't get it done. Um, they, they were inconsistent. They turned the ball over. Um, they, the, the scoring was hit or miss. They, they didn't get as many assists as you need. So just bringing in somebody like this, I, uh, I really like it. I, I really like it, and I think that he's going to be a great fit. Um, three-time Ivy League Player of the Week. Again, that's, that's the kind of stuff you get excited about because he can just get so, so, so hot. And again, last year you just needed people who could go win you games. 
And I, I think that Ethan Wright is good for one or two games this year where he's just like, oh, yeah, what what happened in that game? Ethan just went and won it. Ethan dropped 20, 25. He did it efficiently. And everybody else was able to do enough. That was a win, and he kind of powered you to it. Now, is he going to do it every night? No, that's why you hope you get Jabari back. Because if he can give you 16 and 11 every single night, that's the kind of like big engine that you can have. But Ethan is such a spark and so consistent defensively and on the glass that it's just the the kind of addition that I think fits well. It's a team that, you know, it's crazy that they were, I can't remember if they finished first in the Pac-12 in three-point percentage, um, but you still look around the roster and you're like, who is going to be making three-pointers? I guess Evan Batty probably had a lot to do with that, um, with the percentage, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, so So just like these two individually, love it. Love it. But then when we get into how this roster's kind of built, I again, there's there's going to be question marks. You're coming off a season where you didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. You're potentially losing your best player. You're losing one of your best players for sure in Evan Batty. So, of course, there are going to be questions as you go into the season. At the same time, I think it's really easy to look at this roster and kind of kind of daydream, you know, because there's there's a lot of talent here. And just to, to sum things up this offseason, you lose Evan Batty, you lose Elijah Parquet, you lose Keyshawn Bartholomew, and you lose Will Laughlin. Now, I remember that Mason Faulkner was supposed to be a, a guard for CU. Again, would have been a nice stabilizing force back there. He winds up transferring at the last minute to Louisville, and so you give that scholarship to Will Laughlin, so now that Will Laughlin's moving on, who was a walk-on for the first few years, uh, that actually does open up a scholarship. So you open up four scholarships, you close them with Joe Hurlbert, who is the the stretch four, maybe a center at six foot ten, um, who's coming in from North Dakota. Um, you, you bring in R.J. Smith, kind of the the scoring sort of guard, shooting guard probably could maybe play point guard. I think he's a shooting guard, probably out of California. Um, though those two are freshmen, obviously you bring in Bobby and then your grad transfer, Ethan Wright. Um, that's, that's a good use of those scholarships. It does mean that you, as of right now, have used all of your scholarships. That's how you have to approach it at, at this moment. Um, but just looking through this roster as a whole, your starting lineup is probably KJ Simpson, Neat Clifford, Tristan Da Silva, Jabari Walker and Lawson Lovering. Now, obviously, we're we're making that assumption that Jabari is going to be around. Things change if he isn't. Um, but but what I can say is that his his draft stock is is not as high as I think he'd probably like right now. Uh, I think that he would probably like it to be higher. Um, and I also, I know mean, there's there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that will determine whether Jabari's back. As of right now, I'd say it's about fifty fifty. Um, I'd say it's about 50-50, and hopefully hopefully that's a good thing. And might as well say this. I, I think it's May 20th or so is the NBA Combine. It's like a three-day span, somewhere around the 20th. It might be like the 22nd through 25th. It might be like the 15th through the 18th, somewhere around there. But then the deadline to say whether you're withdrawing from the draft and going back to school, that's June 1st. So that's kind of our timeline. We've got about a month and a half probably before we know on Jabari Walker Um the, the fun little dynamic we have there is that for, for transfers, you have, to, you have to be done with all your paperwork and stuff by May 1st to be eligible to play that season. So if you pull somebody out of the transfer portal to replace Jabari, well, you have to do it by May 1st. 
Meanwhile, you're not going to know until after May. So that makes that part hard, but there are basically two ways around that with that scholarship. First, you just take somebody from high school, right? Somebody who hasn't committed, you jump in late. If there's some talented player that you want, add into the kind of the back end of your roster, probably develop that guy for a year, and then, uh, you know, there, there you go. The other way to do it is to take a grad transfer. So grad transfer does not need to decide by May 1st. Um, I think that there's probably still kind of a disproportionate amount of grad transfers because of the COVID year, right? So guys are guys are graduating earlier. They have more years to play after they graduate. So it's unlikely you just find like a, a true transfer in the portal. Although, you know, a grad transfer is an option. That's probably what you'd want to do anyway, right? Find somebody who you only have to use that scholarship for one or two years, especially with a team this young so that you can kind of patch things up next year because at least on paper, you probably aren't opening up any scholarships next year um, unless somebody's making the jump to the NBA, which I guess, like, if Jabari comes back, then Jabari could go next year. He probably would go next year. Um, but you probably... Oh, never mind. You have Ethan Wright. So Ethan would be gone after next year. She'll have at least one. Still, that's a small class. But that's kind of like the general landscape in terms of scholarships for the basketball team right now. Um, like I said... Starting lineup, probably KJ, Neek, Tristan, Jabari, Lawson. First of all, how much fun does that sound? But also, I think that there's potential for a lot of changes to that lineup. I mean, the easy one is Jabari's not there, so you bump Tristan to the four probably, Neek to the three, start Ethan, um, and there you go. If Jabari stays, I still think that Ethan could probably push for a starting spot. Um, and in that case, you know, does does he start over Neek and Neek goes back to being kind of that, that sixth man? Does he start over uh, over Tristan to Silva, and then you wind up with Neek at the three, Ethan at the two, and then Tristan gets to kind of be the the primary backup to Jabari Walker and Lawson Lovering, you know? Because when you look at this depth chart, a lot of your depth is at guard now that these moves have gone through. You know, you look at it and say, okay, so point guard, you have KJ Simpson, you have Julian Hammond, you have Javon Ruffin. Ruffin. So KJ, Javon, you could probably play him at the two, um, but I think as of right now, you probably call those guys point guards. At the two, you have Neek, you have Ethan, you have RJ Smith, who's going to be a true freshman. Um, now, Neek could be more of a three. I don't know that, I don't think you'd want Ethan to play point guard, although I could be wrong about that. I haven't dug in enough to say for certain. Um, I think in a pinch, you could probably get away with it um, if you kind of shared those playmaking duties, but the point is, you have you have those three there. So when you look at kind of the guard rotation, it's like KJ's got to be in the rotation, Neek's got to be in the rotation, Ethan's got to be in the rotation. Now, if those are the three guys splitting your minutes at, at the two guard spots, you give them 27 minutes a night, and all of a sudden they eat up every minute that you have in the backcourt. That's one way to do it. But, you know, do you want to get Julian Hammond minutes? Probably. And, and there's a real chance that he winds up being a starter, too. I mean, he, he was the starter for the last five games of last season at point guard. So you probably fit him in there somehow. You know, Javon Ruffin, what is he after redshirting his freshman year? Who knows? R.J. Smith coming in as a true freshman, could he get minutes? Absolutely. And if you wind up needing more minutes at those guard spots, first of all, you could just play K.J. 21 minutes, which is about what he was playing toward the end of the season. Uh, you could do the same with Neek or Ethan. Or you bump Neek to the three, where he could play quite a bit. He did play quite a bit last year. Um, 
you know, Tristan Da Silva, is he a three or a four? Kind of depends on where you need him to be. Uh, Luke O'Brien, is he a two? Is he a three? He could probably play the four, two. Again, he can, he's kind of your magic eraser in the middle of the lineup. Just kind of figure out where you need him to go and, and let him go to work. You also have Quincy Allen coming back, who is probably just a true small forward, um, but I'd be shocked if he doesn't garner some minutes this year. Now, in the front court, that's where you're a little bit more shallow. You know, Lawson Lovering, he's almost definitely your starting center. The truth is you need him to take a little bit of a step forward. And I think it's a step that he absolutely would have taken last season if he just stayed healthy. But because we didn't get to watch him just kind of continue to grow on the defensive end, continue to to develop that touch on the offensive end, um, cut down on the fouls a little bit, since we didn't see it happen, I think that it's a little bit... Um, it's a little bit more concerning um, when you're asking somebody to probably jump into that starting lineup who was playing, whatever, 12 minutes a game um, for the first half of the season, then he gets hurt, right? Um, so that there's your starting point at center. Um, and then you also have Jabari starting at the four, probably. Um, Tristan could play the four, which we've mentioned probably four times now. But then backing up uh, Lawson, you have Joe Hurlbert who is coming in from North Dakota. He's he's more of a stretch four, I think. Um, I think that he could probably play some center too. I think he'd probably be better playing center down the road uh, once you you give him you know a year or two to put on some more weight um, since he doesn't, like Lawson's seven foot, seven foot one, whatever. Joe Hurlbert's like six foot 10, which is solid size for sure. But for a young guy, you know, you'd like to have just a little bit more weight backing that up. Um, and, and then... You know, backup for Bobby or Bobby. Sorry, I've, it's Bobby. B O B I though, so it's like, oh yeah. But um, he's. I I think I'd like him better at the three this year. Maybe at the four. Um, truth is, he's probably good at both, and you could play him at either. Um, but does Tristan wind up playing more at the four? If he does, does that mean that Bobby or Quincy or or Neek start at the three? Just looking through this lineup, there's a lot of different combinations. And I think, first of all, you have to be pretty excited about that. And, and that also means that you're very switchable on defense, right? Because if you're saying, well, Tristan, is he a three or a four? That means he can probably guard the three and the four. Uh, Neek, is he a two or a three? I think Neek could guard the one, the two, the three, and, and sometimes the four, depending on the opponent. Uh, Jabari, and he's he's very versatile defensively. Bobby, definitely versatile. You, you hope Lawson, again, kind of develops the, the defensive ability and he becomes kind of the anchor of all of this. But there's a lot of different things that this group can do. And I think after seeing who they added, it's really easy to get excited about this season. Not that I wasn't excited before, but now you kind of have this first look. And now the question just is, do you, what is Jabari Walker going to do? Is Jabari going to, to go to the NBA or is he going to stick in school? And like I said, I think it's 50-50. I think it's just a true toss-up right now. And you know if he goes... What do you do? You, uh, you add another big from the portal. You probably find some grad transfer, and it's not the end of the world. You know, if you could just find somebody who's 6'11", could play the 4 and the 5, fit-wise, that might make more sense. You're probably not going to get somebody as talented or as productive as Jabari, but just given the way this team is built, just if you take away the, the talent and, and all that sort of stuff, you look at it like a puzzle, losing somebody who's a true 4, adding somebody who can play the 4 and the 5, that part of it would kind of be ideal, right? Um, again, it's not worth it to lose Jabari, but that's kind of what 
I see when I look at this situation. Because um, I love the idea of just starting Tristan at the four, starting Neek at the three, starting Ethan at the two, and you lose some of that flexibility kind of in the middle of the lineup, kind of in the backcourt as, as in particular. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, overall, though, just to get back to the, the, the main point here, really like the addition of, uh, of um, Bobby Clintman. I think that he is somebody who has the potential to to be a real game changer for Colorado. Um, just the, the tools that he has, you know, I, I do think that this is somebody who is going to be in the NBA. Um, I just watching what he's done. It seems like it should be pretty obvious, honestly. It's like, why is he not rated higher than this? Um, so we'll see again, hopefully everything kind of works out. It's tougher with the international guys. Hopefully they're able to get him on campus, get everything all cleaned up. they will be good to go. Um, and then uh, with Ethan coming in, I mean, that's what they needed, right? Just a veteran guard who can kind of steady the ship. Maybe he can play point guard for a couple possessions if things get ugly. Um, just just feed the ball to the post, feed Jabari, feed Tristan, let them work. Hopefully you get excited about feeding Lawson as well. And then you you know you, you let KJ get downhill. You let Julian run the pick and roll. I think that this guard rotation, um, it looks really clean. And it, like... It's it's a little bit scary just because you're asking KJ to step up. You're you're hoping Julian really steps up. Um, Javon and RJ, you'd hope for one of them to be, at the very least, somebody who at the end of the season when the rotation gets cut, get cut or gets cut down to nine players, eight players, whatever. Like, oh, really? We don't get to see Javon or RJ much anymore. That that's too bad. But and you have all these other guys, so whatever. Um, yeah, that's uh. Those are my thoughts there. Those are my thoughts there. But again, just very, very good day for the basketball team. Now, uh, now you just hope for about six weeks that Jabari decides he's coming back to school, and um, if he does, the Buffs are in great shape. If then, if if he does, then on paper this team is better than last year's team, and you know last year's team finished fourth in the Pac-12. I think that if you finish fourth in the Pac-12 again, you're probably going to the tournament. Um, if you can climb up from there, it'd be a lot of fun too. So there's the basketball stuff. Those are all my thoughts on all of those things. And, uh, before we get into Andrew Metzger, we got to wrap things up with Andrew Metzger. Uh, got to remind you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. I'm headed out the Avs game. I mentioned that earlier. Got to have an avalanche there. That's, uh, it's the avalanche. It's Breckenridge. You drink the avalanche. Like it's a pretty easy equation. Um, the big question is, though, since I don't have to be up to Boulder until tomorrow night to talk to Carl, and I actually need to figure out who else I need to talk to tomorrow, but because I'm not going up there till tomorrow night, I could have a few avalanches if I wanted. Haven't made that sort of decision yet, um, so we'll we'll see. But if, if you guys are looking for something to drink on a night off, go with Breckenridge Brewery. They have the so many good beers. They have the good company hard seltzers. You cannot go wrong. Definitely check them out. Use that beer locator. Put in your zip code, and it'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever it is you want to try from Breckenridge. Uh, also, Sexy Pizza pairs perfectly with Breckenridge beers, if I'm being totally honest. Um, it's uh, it's hand-tossed deck oven pizza. They make their dough from scratch every morning. They've got all the toppings you could ask for, but they also have things like gluten-free crust. They have vegan options. Um, they have awesome sides. The garlic knots are, are probably the best of them. Um, yeah, those are, those are my favorite for sure. That's what stands out. Um, but 
they've been a huge part of the Denver community for quite a while now. They have a bunch of different locations around town, and uh, you can you can feel good supporting them, especially if you buy the Philanthropies. Do that because those are those are pizzas. They're designed by different nonprofits in Colorado, and they they set their pizza up however you want. You order it, then they get a portion of the proceeds. It's cool stuff from a cool company. So make sure that you're supporting Sexy Pizza, and uh, you can go to one of their locations: Cap Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, Park Hill, or the new location Trinidad, Colorado, that just opened. All right, so Andrew Metzger. Um, Andrew Metzger is a tight end. He also plays defensive line. He also plays a defensive end for, for Regis Jesuit. Um, and uh, he's a good pickup. He's a really good pickup. He's a, he's a very solid, clean football player. I think when you look at tight ends, and in particular you look at the tight ends that Colorado has on its roster, I think that Andrew Metzger really makes a lot of sense. Um in a way, he could kind of be your Brady-Russell replacement. You know, this is the last year with Brady, and when you hear about the guys behind him, it's like, oh, Eric Olsen's making plays. Austin Smith's making plays. You wonder who the next big blocking tight end is going to be. And I think that that's where Andrew Metzger really has a chance to shine. Um, what what stands out the most on, on his tape is his blocking ability. Um, they, they they run a lot of, like, 11 personnel. They, they like to run behind him, which makes sense. I mean, he's 6'5". He's he's filled out pretty well for, for somebody as young as he is. And uh, they just like to run behind him. And I think that when you look at what he did this year, all of a sudden you say, like, okay, add another year of high school ball on top of it. Like, his tape just looks like senior tape, right? He looks like somebody who who's ready to go to, to honestly, to the Power 5 level already. Now you give him one more year in the weight room, one more year to maybe refine some of the receiving ability, and I think that the Buffs could be getting a really awesome prospect. Um, he he does not have the composite rating from 24-7 sports, which is not something you'd love to see, uh, but um, what you do like is that he has the 85 rating from 24-7 sports, and we'll, we'll see what the composite is once Rivals and ESPN figure out what, what they are going to do uh, with him. Um, but 24-7 Sports has him as the number 47 tight end in the country, the number 7 player in Colorado. It's a good get. And it is, I believe, the first commitment from somebody from from the state of Colorado. I'm going to double-check on that. Yup, he's the first from Colorado. Um, also had offers from Air Force, from Duke, from Eastern Michigan, from Kansas. Uh... Miami of Ohio, Nevada, Ohio, Ohio, or Utah State, Washington State, Wyoming, um, interest from Ohio State, Notre Dame, Kansas State, Stanford, Washington. They haven't given him offers yet. You hope that they won't. Um, but, I mean, the, the way that he could land those offers is probably just by making more plays downfield. Um, or if he just really fills out even more and you're like, okay, we're getting a grown man immediately. And honestly, I think, like I said, he kind of looks like that already. Um, you, you watch the tape, and like I said, what stands out is the blocking ability. But also, when they use him in the passing game, it's all underneath. There's a lot of just like, so you're lined up on the left side of the line. Um, you're just going to go right to the middle of the field, seven yards downfield, and we're going to drill a ball to your chest. Again, that's what you do with big big tight ends, really, right? Is you just say like, okay, if if the defender's behind you, they're not going to get to this if we just throw it hard. It's kind of kind of like Gronk. So it's just like okay, you you go, you find the gap in the zone underneath, and you're you're either going to hold the coverage in so that there's more room over the top to throw the ball behind the linebackers, 
or the linebackers are going to drop and, and cover the most dangerous receivers, which are the receivers that are the farthest downfield, and all of a sudden you're op for, open for an easy gain every single time. And so while you'd like to see kind of the route running get more refined, you'd like to see the speed tick up just a little bit, there's still a lot to like. Um, and especially, like I said, when you when you look at how this room is built, um, if, if you're saying, like, can this guy line up and be the the tight end who's right next to Austin Smith, so you have your blocker, you have your receiver. Um, you could, you know, you stretch those linebackers in the same way. You have Metzger sit underneath them. You have Austin Smith just curling right behind them. They've got to make their decision, and boom, somebody's wide open. I think that this this offensive staff has made it really clear that what they're looking for is skill sets. What they're looking for is skill sets, and it's almost like they want to check every single box. It's like, do we have do we have the speed back? Do we have the power back? Do we have the receiving back? Do we have the full back? Do we have uh, so, so there's all your running backs? Do we have the speed receiver? Do we have the the jump ball guy? Do we have a route runner? Do we have a slot receiver? And how many of these guys can we get to do different things? Do we have kind of the gadget guy, the hybrid receiver, uh, running back who flexes around? Do we have the hybrid receiver tight end, the hybrid uh, fullback tight end? Do we have the hybrid lineman tight end? Do we have just the true tight end who can do everything? Uh, so, so you just have all these different skill sets that you can use so differently, and then you get them on campus and make them better what they're good at and see if you can build around um, some of their weaknesses so that all of a sudden they have some unpredictability, right? So you have your, your little slot receiver, and it's like, well, your slot receiver can also stretch the seam now. It's like that's that's the type of stuff that you're looking for. And, and when you really look, like I said, at how CU is building this team right now, particularly on offense, it does seem like you just see them check every one of those boxes. You know, they, they added A.J. Newberry, that running back, a couple days ago. It's like, yeah, why did they add him? Because it's been very obvious that this is a, a team that wants to be able to throw the ball to its running back, and that hasn't been a thing that's happened here. A.J. Newberry can absolutely do that. Boom. You have him locked in. Now, what is he between the tackles? We'll figure out when he gets here. But there's somebody who can do that thing, and and you just like to have that option. It gives you that versatility. Um, so when you look at an Andrew Metzger, you say, yeah, you have Austin Smith, you have Eric Olson, you have Christian Fourier. Let's get this big-ass dude who's going to be a road grader in the run game and give you a, a decent baseline as a receiver. Again, he's he's not a speed receiver. He's not a vertical receiver. He's a possession receiver as a tight end, which is what tight ends have always been. And, you know, I think that the reason he isn't the number one player in Colorado is because he doesn't have that, whatever, four or five speed. Um, but what he does, he does well. And he's got another year to develop. And after that, Clay Patterson gets his hands on him. We can see what they mold him into. But this is a very, a very solid signing. This is just one of those guys that with Brady Russell leaving, it makes sense to add. And, um, you know, you're not you're not asking him to be a receiving tight end who's coming in. Uh, he'll be a freshman when Eric Olson and Austin Smith are both sophomores. It's like, how are you going to pass those guys? You know, Christian Fourier as well. So I uh, I like the pickup. I, uh, I think that he's a good addition. And I guess we might as well say he's the seventh addition to this class. Uh, joining Nikhil Batrand... Uh, the uh, tackle, uh, Cam Beiser, the edge, A.J. Newberry, the running back we mentioned, Edward Schultz, he's been on the podcast, the wide receiver, Ryan Staub, the quarterback, and Adrian Wilson, the other the other commit, safety commit, who, who committed two days ago, three days ago, something like that. Um, but yeah, there you go. There's all the information that you need, 
And now, guess what? I uh, I got through this podcast fast enough. I get to take a shower before going to this hockey game. So I'm excited about that, and I will uh, see you guys tomorrow. Um, like I said, going up, we're going to hear from Carl tomorrow. They've got a scrimmage on Saturday. It is a closed scrimmage, so don't go up to Boulder expecting to get in. You won't be able to. I can't get in, um, but we will get to hear from everybody afterward, kind of get an update on what went down. Um, but tomorrow, I'll, I'll have some clips from Carl probably um, if there's some good stuff about the, the upcoming scrimmage that we cannot get into, um, just to reiterate, don't go to Boulder and expect to be able to watch. Um, and then also a couple players who I'm not sure who I want to talk to tomorrow. I'm honestly not sure. I got to figure it out. Um, but there you go. Uh, that's actually it for today. We'll talk again tomorrow.